Do not worry. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Luke is more, sorry, life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not honour, they do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for its truth. Thank you that that same spirit that's inspired kept and preserve this word, and, and it's a very real word for today. We pray that it might be working in us, that we be open to your spirit directing and guiding, and we know that your spirit leads us into all truth. Give clarity, we pray, as we look at this passage, and we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Um, you might actually remember that uh, um, after the fall of Singapore, there was a lot of... A lot of uh, death camps mushrooming along a track of, of railway. And what was happening that these particular death camps were building a railway that was uh, su- supporting supplies for the Japanese army. Those prisoners of war were very, um, in a lot of extremely difficult situations. Food was very short, of course. It was meagre. It was just basically some rice and uh, bits and pieces. One man in the camp became known as the one can man. What he did was he used a can, just an ordinary tin can that he, he'd, uh, he'd, he'd kept. And he'd keep little bits, of, little bits of food, some water, maybe some medicine if he could scrounge it. He'd keep it in that one can because it might preserve his life for a couple more days. A friend of his also decided, well, that's a great idea. Why don't I try and do the same thing? And he actually tried to scrounge up as many cans as he could, thinking that, well, if he had lots of cans, well, he'd preserve his life for a lot longer. And he got 30 cans. A tin can was good because it kept the rats out. And a can was something which became significant. But really, in that sort of climate where food goes off quickly, when you can develop 
other tropical ulcers, and you can die of tropical diseases within a day. Just how many cans do you need to preserve your life? Jesus has been speaking about, and if you read that chapter, he's been speaking about greed. And it's one of those things, we don't often speak about it. I don't know how many sermons you've heard about it, and, and so I'm not directly going there, but, but Jesus is very, very clear about this because he wants to say to us, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Remember he told them a parable? It was a Palestinian dream. Have this farm that was super productive and he tore down his barns to build bigger barns. And he was blinded to the truth. And Jesus actually, in that passage, as it goes through, you see that guy building up and developing all the things that he could and putting stock, stockpiling all his grain and food. There's a lot more than 30 cans. God said, well, the epitaph really on his tombstone read, fool, F-O-O-L. And the whole scene as uh, Jesus even relates that parable is about people squabbling over the inheritance, squabbling over money. And the knockout punch is, as Jesus addresses this large group of people, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. The scene changes a bit from verse 22, as Mari read it out for us. There's a change in the audience. Jesus is now speaking to a smaller group of disciples. He's still got that theme in his head and it's, it's discussing with these because we actually move from people that, well, were pretty well, most of them, a lot of those he was addressing, addressing Pharisees who were quite wealthy and their problem was greed. Jesus, in addressing those, the well-to-do, if you like, those who who have. And now he speaks to those who are the have-nots, those who find it hard to make ends meet, those who are struggling along in life, if you'd like like to sort of identify with them, worrying about all sorts of things and particularly worrying about their necessities of life. And Jesus comes and he says, your concern is the kingdom and nothing else. Really. Look where he goes. So in verse uh, verse 22 he says this, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Look at the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They've got no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them, and how much more valuable are you than birds? Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them, and how much more valuable you are than birds. Just taking that emphasis. Because as Jesus moves from people and the well-to-do side and moves to these, those squabbling over inheritances and increasing in wealth, and turns to those who are the working class, the blue collar, 
What do you say to them? Well, the next 12 verses, these verses that Murray read out for us in Luke 12, probably the most hard-hitting of, of, on this topic that Jesus ever spoke. And what was he doing in this? What's he actually addressing? What's he saying? Money will bind you. Money will control you. Money will become something that is a burden and a drudgery. And the trouble is, we can quickly see how it corrupts others but not necessarily seeing what it's doing in our lives. I mean, it's easy to see uh, the rich, isn't it? Eh? And uh, a few weeks ago, um, Kim Kardashian and uh, what was his name? Was it Humphreys, wasn't it? The basketballer? Anyway, they got together. 450 close friends at the wedding. I don't know. Must be Facebook friends, I think. Millions and millions of dollars spent on the wedding ceremony, the day, sponsored by a whole bunch of people. They probably got out of it 12 to 15 million each out of this wedding because it will be publicised and so they'll get rights and sponsors giving them money and all that sort of stuff. 12 to 15 million just for having a wedding. (laughs) And the experts are saying it might last 12 months. And it's easy, isn't it? Because we can point the finger at other people and say, look how it corrupts other people. But you see what Jesus is doing is, you know, it will embitter you too. We know that money is something that, you know, know, looking across this fine selection of people, you've been around a while, you know how it works. Money lubricates a lot of things. Bribery and corruption is, oh, shock horror, part of life, isn't it? And Jesus is really addressing that because he's saying, even to you, the, what would you call yourselves? Poor? Working class? Struggling to find, make ends meet? But what is actually controlling you as well as these others who are rolling around in wealth? Saying, your anxiety over money is controlling you. Now catch this, because this is important. Our anxiety over money is controlling. And if that's the pattern, if our natural drift is into making money, absorbed by thinking about every waking moment we're thinking about making money, anxious about money, if that's the constant, if we're overworking, if we're absorbed with all this, then it's got a grip on you. Its tentacles are around your heart, Jesus is going to go on to say. And that's true, friends. We need to be very honest this morning and looking at what Jesus is talking about, we say, well, we can easily... Greed is a very subtle sin. But it's named right up there with all the sins in in moral lifestyle and debauchery and greed, which is idolatry, says Paul. Because very easily, wealth replaces... God. It's idolatry. And I think that can come out in ways that are very, very subtle. Um, I don't know if you know Ross Gittins. He writes for financial papers and he actually writes for the Sydney Morning Herald as well. You might read his column. A few years back I remember reading what he had to say because he tried out some facts and figures that were quite interesting. He said that real income, our real income, has actually doubled since 1967. It's trebled since the 1950s. And some of you I'm looking around, I think you know about the 50s. 
Um, saying that we're living, people like me are living on two and a half times more than our parents and three, nearly four times as much as our grandparents. He actually went on to say that um, when you think about it and collectively when you start asking people about wants and needs, there is a lot of confusion. And he actually said that 62% of Australians say that we still can't afford and buy everything that we need. That's that's interesting. 62%, nearly two-thirds of the population that are saying, I can't buy everything I need. It's staggering. On average, we're 55% richer, 55% more comfortable than we were in the 80s. And he has some, some staggering things because you start looking at house sizes and how they've increased, even though family numbers have decreased, bigger houses for fewer people, and the houses have to be air-conditioned. We have to live in air conditioning. Um, Australia still is right up... It is, it, is, it is the worst at this. Most Australian houses, on average, are 10% bigger than the ones in the States. 9% bigger than those in New Zealand. They don't have a trophy room. They don't have anywhere to put trophies in. They've got to have smaller houses over there. Well, don't worry about it. It was subtle. It was subtle. And what's he saying? You see, we've increased in this and it just becomes something we slip into so that on average, two-thirds of the Australian population have at least two cars, usually more. And so when you start looking at it, um, you start to say, wow, it, it is a subtle thing that gets in. And we start to think, well, that's the sort of house, that's the sort of lifestyle that we actually need. We spend billions of dollars on fast food every year that make us fatter. We spend lots of money on gyms and electronic machinery that uh, makes us slimmer. (laughs) And all the time, never content. But I think it's worse than that. It's not just contentment. I think a lot of people consider wealth and what you have as security. See where Jesus goes with all this. Because he's not even talking about that stuff, is he? He's not talking about the extras to life. What he's looking at is saying life is not possessions. Life is not eating and drinking and what you put on. He's saying, don't... It's very basic, isn't it? He's, not saying, he's saying, why are you anxious, worried over the necessities of life? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not worried about lunch today. I'm not worried. I didn't go. I didn't have a sleepless night wondering what I was going to wear this morning so I could dazzle you with my fashion. <laughs> it never crossed my mind. You know, and even if, if, even if I go to the fridge and there isn't enough in there, what do I, I just hop in a car and I drive to a supermarket. This stuff, we start to say, well, is this, is this touching where we're at? Well, I'd say that you know, for a lot of us, we're not even thinking too much about this stuff. But in Jesus' day, and speaking to those who are very much subsistence people, it is a real problem. They didn't know necessarily where their next meal was coming from for some of them or necessarily how they're going to spend the rest of that week or what they would have. And it starts to resonate with us because we confuse wants with needs. What do you really need? 
What do you really need? That's a big question, isn't it? And Jesus is going somewhere else, isn't he? Because rich or poor, if you're anxious about money, it's got you. It's got you. And so when you start seeing what Jesus... Jesus is the surgeon in this case. He's cutting in, he's slicing in, he's making us aware of a real problem in our lives. And as that surgeon, he gets to the bottom of things and he actually says, well, this is why money is making you deeply anxious. Now stay with me. And if someone's just dropping off, just give them a little nudge. Not too big. Don't. <laughs> but just a little one. Because Jesus gets the important part. What is it that others... You see, Jesus said it, didn't he? Verse 30. For the pagan world runs after all such things, but your Father knows that you need them. What has he introduced? He introduced Father. Hold the thought. To fatherless pagans, to other cultures, other religious idioms, He's actually saying, you have a father. He's been teaching them about the father. If you go through Luke's gospel, in fact, if you go through all the gospels and start, start looking at what Jesus is doing, he's constantly encouraging his disciples to think of his father. Jesus teaches them a prayer, doesn't he? What, what's the opening of that prayer? Our father. When you speak, when you pray, pray this way. Our Almighty, our Judge, our Redeemer, our Saviour. No. When you pray, pray, our Father. The real God who cares about you, who knows you, who knows your needs. That's what Jesus is saying. Why is he saying that? Because he's saying that. Why are you anxious over something that a parent gives, that your father gives? And you'll start to see what he's doing. Jesus reminds him of the birds, reminds him of the lilies of the field, the this, this similar sort of things. And he's saying, she'll be right. Don't worry. Just to have a little look around you. What do you see each day? We've got a great place where we're. We, we live on Sneath's Road. We're in Walling Bar and, and the manse is in basically a bunch of cows. All our neighbours are the cows. Uh, we invite them over for a barbecue, but they don't come very often. <laughs> you are the barbecue. Um, but we have, we have a beautiful bird lot. And you just watch them. They're just putting around all day. Got a magpie this morning. Sits on our barbecue, which is level with our, with our kitchen window. He's looking at me. He knows that every now and then I go and put something out for him. When I put the porridge out, he doesn't get very happy, but I mean, they don't worry. Not worried about whether they're just flitting around. Hummingbirds taking a bit of nectar out of the grevilleas. Don't know how that sustains them, but it absolutely does, and they keep coming back. And Jesus is saying, look how the Father who created this world looks after that which is in this world. Don't you think, do you know this Father heart? Do you really know that Father heart? Because you're much more valuable than birds or flowers. In that sort of culture, lilies 
They're the wildflowers of the Palestinian Middle Eastern region. They'll come up in a day and go in a day. They'll burst out in brilliant, brilliant flowers because they need pollinating because it needs to all happen very quickly and here today, gone tomorrow. But God cares for them. And look how beautiful they are. Solomon in all his glory wasn't, wasn't like any of these. See what Jesus is doing? Our trouble is that we think that we need to generate money and wealth because that's what's going to help us, sustain us and look after us. Our anxiety over money means, well, the sense of permanency, the sense of safety, the sense of, I, I, can, I'm, I can contain this, I can look after it, I'm, you know. And Jesus is saying that the, ever, the essence of what makes you valuable, gives you life, has nothing to do with money. Absolutely nothing to do with money. You are not a more significant person. You are not a more valuable person because of what your bank statements say every month. That's an absolute nonsense, but that's the way the world thinks, isn't it? But you can imagine one of those uh, 450 friends that came to Kim and Chris's wedding. Woohoo, can you imagine getting that in the, in the mail? Ooh, I'm, an, I'm a significant person. And isn't that the way that so often you can look at life and think, well, if I've got I'm just important. And Jesus just told a parable about a bloke who was extremely wealthy who'd stuffed his barns full of grain because he needed bigger barns and bigger barns. Where's the security? This night, I require your soul. And that's important for us to know. You are not not minimised because of a lack of income. It doesn't make you less of a person. But that's the world, that's the way our world will think of us. And the brokenness and the dysfunctional way in which our world lives, that's what happens. I never saw the movie. I don't necessarily, hello? I don't necessarily uh, you know, advocate go and see it, but there's a movie called Dad. Um, it's about messy marriage, messy breakdown, divorce. And um, punchline's there too. In, there's a line in the movie that says, why did you divorce mum? And there's all sorts of reasons he comes out with. And then in the end, he actually looks down, you know, uh, looks down the ground and basically embarrassed to say it, but it, it reflects real life, doesn't it? Because in the end, he broke up, divorced, he was making money. Well, making money made me feel like a man. I don't know if you've been with a bunch of blokes. I'm actually um, secretary of a bass fishing club, a sport fishing club. That's, my, that's why I'm a fishing tragic, by the way. But, you know, um, we fished a comp last Sunday. I didn't fish the morning because I was preaching and, you know, I do do that. In the afternoon, well, I raced up there, we had a barbecue, and in the afternoon we decided we'd, we'd, we'd fish down at Woodburn. I may not tell you all this because these are some of the fishing spots, all right? But anyway, <laughs> uh, we're down at Woodburn. But, you know, you talk to the bunch of guys and because uh, the bass were actually schooling up really near the near the the Woodburn, they won't be there now, so don't rush out there. But they were schooling up around the Woodburn Bridge and uh, catching bass. And you know, some of the boats these guys have uh, is just amazing. But that's it, isn't it? Uh, you know, blokes are always, I may not say that, um, blokes are always sort of, I don't know, you know, look at my boat, look at my car, you know, and look at my fishing gear and all this sort of stuff. As if, so what, you know? Yeah? But we tend to think that that's what gives us significance. Money 
can say to us, I will give you love, I will give you protection, I will give you security. And Jesus is saying, that's a lot of bunkum. He's saying, look at what money really is and look at what you are. And Jesus will actually, because you know, money, money gives you that impression, take out the messiness of relationships for goodness sake because money can give you all those things that you can, can want. Remember that Jesus, just in a couple of chapters on, is going to talk about another parable, a parable of a prodigal, a guy who thinks to gain money and go out and just get rid of family, get rid of his father, get rid of his brother, stuck up, self-righteous prig that he was, wasn't it? So here he is, and he, get away from the mess, because if I have my money, I'll be safe, I'll be secure, I'll have everything, I'm master of my own destiny, I will be secure, and off he goes. And of course, the temptation to squander and... What's the kicker in that? Well, there's two kickers, really. But what's the kicker in all this in the parable? The very thing that he needs, and really, if he would just own up to it, the very thing that's going to be what he's looking for is a father that reaches out with unconditional love and loves him and accepts him just as he is. Rich or poor. Pig poo or not. And so Jesus is doing that to us again, I think, as you turn to this passage, because he's actually saying to us, where's the real treasure? He's saying to us, you can never, ever put money in the place of the Father. Money can never do what the Father alone can do. And if you do put your faith in your wealth, It will make you an orphan. That's what he's saying. When it comes down to it, the problem is there, but the solution that he comes out with is quite simple, but yet profound. Your father knows what you need. Don't have anxiety over money. Money is never a substitute for a father, and now we need to see. We can be completely healed of this anxiety. And Jesus says, first of all, you need to know a few things. The real treasure. Look, seek for that real treasure. You are not God. And even though you might think you are and you might think that increasing wealth will give you that, no, no. But you are children of the living God. And that's the God complex thing that we do have to really work out, isn't it? That's the nature of sin. We want to be like God. We want to be in God's place. Isn't that the, the problem with the fall? Adam and Eve, I want to listen to God. I don't want to trust God. I can do this myself. God's actually holding out on me. I can do it all myself. And so that's the issue. We become completely autonomous if I build up my bank account, if I'm actually self-sufficient, self Reliant, not depend on anyone else. Isn't that the anthem of our world? He who dies with the most toys wins? What a nonsense, isn't it? No, he dies. Don't take your toys with you. That's what Jesus has been on about all through this chapter. So what if you have barns full of grain when God requires your life and you are not rich towards God? So he's saying, what one of you, notice, he's saying what one of you can add even, well, the metaphor changes, but really what he's saying and translated there in the NIV for us, how can you add one hour to your life? Think you can do that? One minute to your life? 
You can't add anything to your life. It's all a delusion to think that you're in control (laughs) and that you're immune from anything else. No, you're not. Some of the richest people in the world are still looking for a liver transplant or a or a kidney that will be donated. Money doesn't keep you from eternity. It can. And so he's saying to us, really when we look at this, yes, it's great. Yes, be good stewards of what you have. Yes, work hard. But don't think that that money that you, that it's a delusion to think that money is, is making you impervious to death because it's going to happen. And when we lose that sense of this, and Jesus is saying, you're, you're missing out. You're not seeing that life really consists not of possessions but of a relationship with the Father in the kingdom. So therefore, seek first the kingdom. What your anxiety is saying, because you're worrying about all this, what you're saying in effect is, I know how all this works. I can work it out. We can't hand it over to God and say, God, I can trust you for what is going to happen. I can trust you for where things need to go. And... That's why he says, you of little faith. That, that makes more sense, doesn't it? When he's saying, do you really trust God to provide for you and do for you all that he sees as the absolutely important things? In our anxiety, we say, I don't think I can trust God. I don't think I can hand over to God to do all that. And Jesus says, can you add to your life? Can you actually do this better than God? Is that what you're saying? Don't run after those things. Don't be consumed by consuming, but rather be consumed by the kingdom. Seek first. In verse 32, he says, The Father has given you, past tense, the Father has given you the kingdom. And that's the, that's the riches we're looking for. There's a passage to seek first the kingdom and all these things will be given to you. They'll find their, their spot. What he's saying is, seek first the kingdom, put God first. If you're in the kingdom, if you're a Christian, those things will sort themselves out. What you eat, drink, wear. But then he, what he's doing is he's saying there's a father's heart there because, in the way John puts it, coming, coming to Christ means all who receive him to those who believe in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. In Romans 8, we are adopted into God's family. Therefore, we have an inheritance. We're not squabbling over someone's monetary inheritance. No, we have an inheritance that's in heaven. And all the riches of this world will never, ever replace what the Father gives us. Jesus is saying, seek, gain the kingdom, and you will be rich beyond measure. Because it's your heart and your soul that you've got to look after. That's where riches lie. I love the way that you see it in the Bible because um, God keeps on reminding us of his Father heart for us. In Isaiah, it actually tells us, here is a father better than a mother. Look what he says in Isaiah. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will never forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. See what God is saying? This is Old Testament 
This is Isaiah the prophet saying, do you think God doesn't love you? Do you think God's shortchanging you in some way? Do you think God can't provide what you need? And we often have so much of really what we want. Do you think the Father doesn't care about you, doesn't love you? He's got tats. Your name written on the palms of his hands. He loves you to this extent. You see, what is it when you think about Jesus and his, read the Gospels, and how does he address the Father? (laughs) He always calls him Father. (laughs) And if you read through, there's only one, I think I'm right in saying this, there's only one place in, in all of those Gospel accounts where Jesus doesn't call his Father, Father. I think you know. What does he say on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Still my God. But you see what's happening? At that point of time, there is, there is, there is a blackness and a darkness in this, in this judgment because the Father's face is turned from his Son because his Son has taken upon himself our sin, all that we deserve, the judgment we deserve. And as Jesus is sin, there's a great transfer there, isn't that? Our sins transferred to Jesus and his righteousness transferred to us. His love expressed to us. He loved us that much that he sent his only son who died. If this as is what he has done as our father for us, his children, we have this great inheritance Don't ever, ever doubt his love. Be consumed by the kingdom and by giving out for the kingdom's sake. And that's the important thing, isn't it? What is it that we spend our money on? What is it that we're anxious over in this world's things? That's that's a real issue. It's a real heart heart thing for us, isn't it? Where do we place our heart? And Jesus is saying, well, where your heart is, there will your treasure be. So have a good look at your investment portfolio as you go home this afternoon. Pull out the bank statements and just say, what are you actually spending money on? What sort of interest do you have in the kingdom? You know, 30 bucks to buy a new CD is nothing, is it? But 30 bucks in the plate might be, oh, hang on. Some people are very generous. and Paul didn't put me up to this either, by the way. Say, screw them for as much money as you can, please. No, no, I'm not saying that. And don't hear me saying that, but I'm saying we all, myself included, need to keep short accounts on just what do we, what are we investing in? Because money is just a resource and use it well, you know, what do you really need? And you might be in a better season in your life where you can give away more because generosity is not measured by what you give. Generosity is measured by what you keep for yourself. And Jesus is saying, will you invest in? Will you look to? What do you need? I don't know what your congregation needs. I, I, you know, as I said, I, I didn't look for vital. But, but what monies are needed to be poured into this ministry and this place at Evan so the kingdom work will happen? New worker? Another worker? I don't know. New facilities? What we need to do is to constantly say it's not just even money either, but it's really where we put our time and our effort and what can we do and maybe there's ministries we can get involved with, maybe there's things we can do and it's maybe downsize in other places, 
Maybe we do have to sell off some stuff to put our money into other stuff. I don't know. And there's nothing wrong with having things, nothing wrong with enjoying things. God gave us things to enjoy. But you see the subtlety of all this? It's us constantly saying, do I seek first the kingdom and then all these things working themselves out? Because Jesus said it so powerfully and he's saying this. Verses uh, 33-34, as he puts it all together, he said, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. Where no thief breaks in. No thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Know the love of the Father. Know all that he provides. Know that he has a tender heart towards you. And don't be anxious. Your anxiety feeds off this thinking that you've got to look after yourself. Oh, we've got to be good stewards. Not saying we don't do that. Birds just don't go around with their mouths open, do they? But so we have to work, and yes, we do think, but let's not be carried away by thinking that we are the ones who provide. Seek first the kingdom. All these things will be added. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and its truth. Father, we pray that we will not be anxious and worried over, over things that are only causing us grief and pain. Father, we pray that we would see money, wealth as something that we can use. Thank you that you've blessed a number of us with, with money and wealth. Help us to use it well. Help us not to hold on to it. Help us not to, not to be thinking that we're, we're, uh, we've got to be constantly constantly looking for those things that you as our Father provide with great anxiety and worry and pain. Help us to use our resources well. We pray, Lord, that you will help us as we work away at our various churches and our our aspects of ministry and where we're going to put our time and effort and money. And we pray that, Lord, we would seek first the kingdom. We would have kingdom values as very strong values in each of our hearts. Go with us this day as we, uh, we seek to put these things into play. We pray, Lord, for a transforming within us. We'll hold loosely to the things of this world that we might be sure that we've gained and have the kingdom itself. We pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen.